are back. Welcome into another episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. Today is Thursday, December 7th, and the New York Jets have turned into a reality drama TV series. Uh, fun week to get into. We're obviously going to recap the Falcons' uh, 13-8 victory over the Jets, then get into some stories this week. We have Tim Boyle no longer with the team. Zach Wilson's back as the starter. We've got conversations over the draft, Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, and then we'll preview C.J. Stroud, he'd be a good quarterback for the Jets coming into New York and taking on uh, this Sunday. Before we get to all that and before I bring Teddy in, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at NYJ underscore Chasing 69. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake with four A's in there. Uh, if you, I guess I don't tweet too much about the Jets, but if you do follow me on Twitter and, and you listen to this show, uh, there's been a lot of JMU talk the last few weeks because we're in a coaching search right now. So that's been a big part of my uh, feed if you follow, but Hopefully that uh, that comes to an end soon. Theodore, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. Living living life. I don't, you know, it's not like a normal week anymore because I've given up on the Jets. So I, I don't have real sadness or anger towards how bad we are. And the reality CD drama that we have had the past couple of days, while slightly annoying because it's like, wow, we really are a dumpster fire, has been you know, a little bit of fun, something to talk about, think about, joke about. Um, so that's been kind of okay. <laughs> when this stuff comes out, we're I want to talk about the Falcons game before we get into this, but just since we're on the topic now, when this stuff comes out, at this point, after the years of like, you deal with the Adam Gay, Sam Darnold era, with the mono and the stories that come out, when you get to stuff that's like this, is there any shock to you that you're like, how does this not happen in 31 other organizations? Or are you just like, this has been such a train wreck for a while now that I'm not surprised by anything. Yeah. Um, probably closer to the latter. I think I'm not surprised by it. I mean, like with Adam Gates, there was the report that, you know, they were like something like they were asked, they were talking about how he was going to be fired. And he was like, well, I don't give a fuck. I make a ton of money. Like, and that was like a direct quote. And it's like, what, Crazy. what is happening here? Like, yeah, you know, so I try not to, I also think, you know, they always have a spin to it and, and, you know, whatever actually went down usually is not as crazy and like, holy shit, like what happened, you know, then it always seems, but then the ones that do end up being pretty true are what really tripped you up. Um, but, you know, at this point, it's like, this is being a Jets fan. It's like over the past five years, we haven't had, you know, and I say five years, like five to eight to 15 you know, we haven't had like good teams really. Like the past whole two regimes have just been terrible on offense. The teams are boring to watch. And the fun part is the offseason. And when stuff like this goes down, everyone kind of gets to make jokes. So, you know, I'm kind of leaning into that right now because it's so annoying being a Jets fan. Um, but yeah, I guess not really surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm. I'm a little bit newer, so it always is like, how does this stuff spill out? But then I also understand there's a lot more attention on the New York media as well, too. So I'm always like, maybe that just enhances it a little bit. But at the same time, you know, it's I, I saw a tweet earlier today. It was like it was like the comparison of the four and eight seasons for the Giants and the Jets. And everybody just is like yeah. shitting on. And then they're like, oh, that Giants team, they're gritty. They're they're grinding things out there. And I'm like, where is this? This divide is so different because we're they're both very bad teams. And I'd say the Jets one is a lot more talented, but it's just the way that these two organizations gets covered is a little bit different. And maybe that's just because the Giants have a little bit more success over the last few decades with a couple Super Bowls in there. But 
Either way, we'll get to all the drama of the last few days in just a bit. Let's do a quick recap. Uh, Falcons beat the Jets 13-8. to The Jets defense and special teams contribute all of the uh, points here today. Uh, a lone touchdown in the second quarter from Desmond Ritter is really the difference maker when it comes down to it. Um, the Jets 4-8 and now, five-game losing streak. I'll start with this. I thought that this was a, a game that the Jets, I was actually pretty confident the Jets were going to go in and win this one. I thought you were catching the Falcons. You know, I've just been in the mindset with the NFL this year is like when you think you feel a certain way about a team, the exact opposite flips. And I thought Atlanta beating New Orleans the week prior, I was like, everybody's going to think that the Falcons are now this real hot team. And I don't, by any means, don't, I, I don't think that they're a hot team because, you know, they still only scored 13 points in this one. And, and it was a, a, you know, a single touchdown that really was, like I said, the difference maker. But I just thought that the Jets were going to come out and really strap down and, and they did. But it, again, the story comes down to be the offense in this one. Um, you know, we saw Trevor Simeon uh in in different parts of this game so we got a boil simian experience at quarterback rush attack wasn't there receiving it they, they just you know it wasn't a good showing from the offense and that's just been the 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 norm for the last you know couple of seasons now and especially the last five games in this losing streak um since benching zach wilson uh which that is you know a two and a half game snippet but they're averaging 2.6 yards per attempt in the ground game um, and then it's still over the five game losing streak, 3.6 yards per rush attempt. And I don't mean to be that the quarterback changes the impact on the offense and the rush attack, but it's so clear that defenses, even without Zach, we always were like with Zach Wilson, we're like, ah, oh, the defense is just going to shrink in and hone in on the run game. And it's so very clear after watching the last few weeks that Zach Wilson is the best quarterback on this team's depth chart without Aaron Rodgers. And when it was Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon, they really hunkered down on that on that rush game and really stopped um stopped this rush game from getting in there, you know, any sense of rhythm. The passing game wasn't there. Gross game. Um, so you know, what did anything stand out from you specifically in this one compared to the last few? Uh, specifically looking on offense. Let's let's start there first. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's been the same story, right? Like, like the defense plays good. I mean, you hold them to 13 points, they have one good drive. Um, but the offense just absolutely couldn't get anything done. Um, definitely, like, I will say, you know, over these past couple of weeks, like without Zach Wilson, and you can tell that there has been somewhat of a step back, you know, obviously, but just crazy. at the end of the day, it's been bad and it, it's kind of just more of the same. Like it's, it's really not like we were moving the ball at all before. And now it, it's gotten even worse, you know, um, <clears throat> what I will say about this game, I think different than previous games where it felt like, you know, even sometimes when the quarterback had time, there wasn't really guys getting open and it was hard, you know, to, you know, you're playing good, a couple of good defenses. Um, this was the first game in a while where you were just seeing Garrett Wilson wide open, you know, running down the field and just not getting the ball thrown his way, which is, which is just really frustrating, obviously. Right. Um, because the, it's like you almost have a functioning offense. You have a guy getting wide open, but you still just can't get anything, anything going. Um, you absolutely nailed the discussion about the run game. I mean, teams don't need to have a lot of defenders on defense because, one, with our poor offensive line, it feels like we're constantly running two, three 
route plays, you know, where there's not a ton of options for the quarterback because we have to have this max protect going on. Um, and then, you know, the defense is just able to, you know, be really close up on the line and play that run. And, and that has been the true story of, you know, where this season really fell off the tracks is the inability to run the ball. You know, we talked about it last week and we talked about this need to actually get it going on on the ground. And and if we were going to win this game, it would have to be a game where we finally rush for, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 yards. Um, and it just wasn't like that. You know, Brees Hall is 13 for 16 yards. Um, Dalvin Cook actually has a decent game on the ground, nine for 35. He ends up, had a couple big runs early, but then fumbles, you know, and yeah. like completely coughs up the ball. Um so, yeah, it, it was more of the same. It was really tough. I'd say the one bright spot is that you had Xavier Gibson give you five for 77. Um, most involved he was in the offense. He had kind of a jump ball down the sideline, which was good to see. Um, but, you know, it was the same story. Bad quarterback play, bad, you know, line play, bad play calling. It's just nothing's different here. Yeah, yeah. And, and these stood out. A ton too. Three turnovers. Obviously, we, we mentioned the fumbles there as well. Too three turnovers, eleven penalties, two for fifteen on third down. That's thirteen percent. Um, very undisciplined football team at this moment. Um, on the year they have the six most penalties in football, third most um, in team total turnovers, and the worst third down percentage in the league. No other team has any sort of combination in the top ten of those. If you're in the top ten for turnovers, penalties, and then the the bottom 10 technically for third down percentage. So they are in this area that is just like, if you are, you know, if you're an undisciplined football team and lacking talent, this is where the, the you know, fall apart are. You can have a lot of talent make up for things like that, especially if you've got a great quarterback play. You know, one of the teams that's in the bottom 10 in penalties or in the top 10 in penalties and turnovers is the Buffalo Bills. We feel a lot better about the Buffalo Bills because they've got a talented quarterback that's kind of getting things done for them um, and, and making up for a lot of ground in those shortcomings that you would say an undisciplined football team has. So at the there are certain situations where you can get outside of that. But when you're the Jets and you're you're deficient at the quarterback position, being undisciplined in those in those key areas is never going to set you up for success. Um, yeah, real quick. Um, I totally, totally agree with everything you said. Um, but I do want to take this opportunity to quickly talk shit about the refs because there was like a three, two or three penalties in a row that were just not penalties on the Jets. I think mm -hmm. they were all on defense. And one was that illegal contact call called on DJ Reed um, where he ended up getting the interception. Just so goddamn annoying that like we can't yeah. even get that to go our way. Um, definitely not the story of the game. Not like that's why we were so bad, but I just want to say that. Yeah, it's all it's always fair. Ref, refereeing, I I don't. This is like it's a league wide thing, week, but like every what, game. That's but how do you change it? Too much. Exactly. Like how how do you change stuff like that? You know, to be honest, like I you're do a think that like billion dollar entity, and it's no, just it's like, fair. It's fair. I do think there's always a human element to it, right? And like when you're sitting at home and you have the replay, it's so easy to be like, how do you get that one wrong? Um, yeah. So, like, there is that part of it. Like, you're always going to have bad calls, and you just kind of have to suck it up. But it it has felt like just a lot of just blatant misses this year. And I I don't know. I don't really think there is a solution other than I think that I think the next step is 
allowing technology to be more involved in, you know, yeah. calling or not calling penalties. Um, but obviously that comes with the whole hoops to jump through of like, oh, can we review it? If we can review it, let's review everything. And then, yeah. you know, it might get out a little out of control. Yeah, there's probably never going to be any great solution for it, but it is frustrating when... I mean, that, that Sunday night game, we can talk about it. We had a ton of money on the Chiefs. I had a ton of money on the Chiefs. And that that last pass interference call on the on the Marquez Valdez gambling yeah. bomb, you know, that sets them up essentially at the goal line there. You're just like, man, I don't know. It's frustrating. Anyways, anything else with the game? You know, it was kind of – I wanted to focus on, on, like, what was different about the offense. The defense is the defense. Special teams is the special teams. Was there anything else that stood out to you from the game specifically that I didn't get to cover? Mm. I don't think so. I mean, it, 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 you know, we'll talk about everything as we go, um, you know, but for me, it's just the same old, like everyone is continuously looking for someone to blame, obviously. But to me, it's the same old thing of like, when you have a quarterback who isn't really good enough to be playing quarterback in the league, and then you mix that with an offensive line that is absolutely decimated with injuries, and then you mix that with coaching that's just cannot get it done and cannot figure out how to pull the best out of these guys and get anything going you know like it, it's just crazy that 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 has all combined to be what this is but truly I mean it, it is so so sad like and you watch other teams that struggle week to week but the consistency of the inability to score and the inability to just move the ball and function like a normal offense for the past six seven weeks you know, it is just insane. Yeah, we, we've been screaming about this one for months and the 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 reluctancy to at, at so many different points, whether it be in the offseason, during training camp, when Aaron Rodgers goes down up to the trade deadline. You know, teams that are currently fighting for playoff spots have Jake Browning at quarterback. They've got uh, Josh Dobbs at quarterback. Gardner Minshew at quarterback right now is the sixth seed in the AFC. The Steelers are going to be rolling with Mitch Trubisky this Thursday night. Today, when you're listening to this podcast, the Browns bring in Joe Flacco. Like there are the so Giants many. Giants have scored touchdowns with Devito's got the more Browns touchdowns. Had Walker, who has showed us that you know he's an XFL talent level guy. You know, like. And somehow the Jets QB one, two, and three since Aaron Rodgers went down are the worst collection of quarterbacks on any roster, it seems like. Like what what roster has a worse quarterback room in the entire league? Which is why I think that like that there has to be there has to be like uh blame on the coaching, you know, and obviously like like the the O line as well, but it's like you well, have that... bad quarterbacks, but other teams with bad quarterbacks are able to get something going. And you do have talented players mm. with Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Like I, the fact that our quarterbacks are playing bad is not surprising, but the fact that we go six games without, you know, being able to score a touchdown, unless it's off a turnover or, you know, or a one play thing, like going back wow. into like nine games, like it, it's, the the problem with the Jets offense is there's a it's deep, yeah, I guess is my point. Like there yeah. are many, many tentacles that are affecting it and and root like, you know, it's just bad. Yeah, coaching bad, bad, bad. can certainly be a part of it. I also I but I also would say like that is to me 
I love Joe Douglas. I'm going to defend Joe Douglas later in this episode and talk a little bit about him and his Jets tenure. But this to me is like one of the more frustrating things that he has failed to do in the last calendar year, almost, if we want to say from March to now, like what has pissed me off the most is the fact that all of these guys have been available at different times. Fuck, Joe Flacco was even here at some point. Now, he's not going to be some great quarterback. He had a rough game, you know, with the Browns against the Rams. But, you know, they are moving forward with him as the starter for the rest of the season. There have been guys that have been very available and good ones that are still on the benches for some teams right now. Ones not not say good, better than anybody on the Jets roster right now. And the fact is, is that they just refuse to go out there and, and make any moves in that area. Um Coaching and management to me are are both, you know, it's like that is something that has driven us crazy. The last yeah. two years, even if you want to go back into the whole Mike White, Chris Strevler, you know, stretch as well, too. Joe Flacco. Fuck, keep, <laughs> keep Mike White around, even. Like, if, if if you gave me Mike White for a couple of games, I yeah. wouldn't think it would be that bad. So, no, yeah. it's fair. I mean, last year we thought Mike was better than Zach Wilson, right? So. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move into to some of the stuff that's come out since then. Uh, Tim Boyle is no longer with the Jets, and some people are trying to connect that to him being a rat. Uh, reports came out, I believe, on what was it Tuesday that it first came out, or yes. was it Monday? It was Tuesday. Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning Yesterday reports came out that the Jets were evaluating who was going to be the starting quarterback for this upcoming game against the Texans, and reports started to leak out, mostly put out by Diana Rossini. Um, of the athletic that uh, Zach Wilson was reluctant to be the team starter um, citing, you know, potentially due to injury concerns, there could be a lot of more deep rooted issues in there. Just given the fact that, you know, he's been kind of tossed around the last few years and thrown in the mud a bunch in his jets tenure. Some deserve sometimes very deservingly. So other times, maybe you could say he's just got an unlucky break, Um, but these reports come out. People are, you know, up in arms about it. They're like, how is, you know, where's this all coming from? Robert Sala then comes out in a press conference later that day. It uh, didn't happen. Tries to, you know, settle down everything. Aaron Rodgers goes on the Pat McAfee show and he's just, you know, so frustrated with how these leaks get out and how much of a bad look it is for the organization. And then next thing you know, Tim Boyle is cut from the team and people are now trying to say that he might've been the rat that was throwing that in there. Um, Let's start here. The Tim Boyle era is over. Uh, you know, we got two and a half games out of him. 62 completion percentage, 360 yards, one touchdown, six total turnovers. I, I put a joke in here how we remember the Tim Boyle era, but just thoughts in general on him no longer being with the organization. Um, You know, none really. I mean, he was a, a bad quarterback. He was our third string quarterback for a reason. Um, and you know, whether it was him or Trevor Simeon or now Brett Ripon or honestly, Zach Wilson, I, I didn't think much of it. So I'm not, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. Just the fact that Tim Boyle got cut, if this was a normal story, um, you know, it wouldn't be interesting. But because of all this extra stuff, that is what has made it interesting. And I do just kind of want to dive into the context of everything that you just said, um, because it was a hilarious day on Twitter and you know frustrating as a fan obviously too but but the we you know we kept referring it to it as a reality show and it was like the differing information that came out throughout the whole day was hilarious because you know the first report Diana I believe she posted a whole article about it I think um, so, yeah. uh, through the athletic but 
basically the report comes out that coachings are thinking about Zach Wilson starting and, and Zach's reluctant to play, right? So everyone immediately, you know, the memes are flowing and the base, the general gist is like, hey, you know, the coaches asked Zach Wilson to play and, and, uh, you know, he said, hey, I don't want to do that. And that's crazy, right? If that happened, like that is, it's like, what is happening in the Jets organization? So then you fast forward, you know, Robert Sala has a press conference and the press conference was like 10, 15 minutes late, by the way. I was yeah. waiting on the YouTube live trying to watch it. Um, and then Robert Sala comes out and immediately, you know, he's they ask him about those reports and Sala basically very focused on the present, you know, and, and just says, hey, well, Zach was just in my office half hour before this. He came into my office. He told me he wants to play. He's making his case for why he should be the starter. So Sal is basically saying like, hey, I don't know. I'm not saying anything about what happened before 30 minutes ago, you know. <laughs> but as of right now, Zach Wilson says he wants to play. So immediately, you know, Jets fans and the whole world flips on Diana Rossini and is like, look at this. Like, this is crazy. Like, like, like you are lying. Like, whatever, whatever. Diane, uh, then Aaron Rodgers goes on, and this is what's hilarious, dude. It's like the Jets, like the drama, and and then it's like, oh hey, and it's also Aaron Rodgers is gonna be on. Oh, the it's a Tuesday. Show That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. So then you know, Aaron Rodgers gets uh, talks about it a decent amount on the Pat McAfee show, and I will say, you know, like he seemed very frustrated with the leak, obviously, and he very much backed up Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson's character and the fact that he wants to play and all these things. Um, but at the end of the day, he doesn't really like, he doesn't make a big stink of like, this is not true. Like how could, you know what I mean? Like he, he obviously frames it in a, in a way to make it look better, but you know, it does seem through everyone's comments and obviously Diana that, there's obviously some truth to this report because why else would it come out? So then, you know, after that, I think probably the last uh, little chapter of this story was Diana Rossini kind of coming out and doubling down and basically saying, like, there is multiple people. There's not one source, one rat, uh, but there's multiple people in the organization who know that, you know, these feelings have been made clear by Zach Wilson. It hasn't been a secret. And... Um, then her story was that he then had a conversation with Aaron Rodgers, talked about it with Aaron Rodgers, and then basically came to the conclusion of, hey, this is the correct thing I should do for my team, is be out there and play. Um, so I know that was a lot, but I just wanted it's, to get it all out there yeah, because no, it truly was. Way better timeline than <laughs> like, I given. Like the, the, the back and forth of the day was just hilarious and and crazy and dramatic, and and it was something. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess just overall, I do think there is definitely some truth in the report. I think it probably isn't as terrible as, hey, Zach, you want to play? And he says, hey, up yours. Like, I don't think that's what happened. Um, but, yeah, go off. Let, tell me about what, what you feel about this, you know, as someone following the team and but not a true Jets fan, I guess. The, the way that I put it before the show is like, I believe a hundred percent that that Diana Rossini's reporting is correct. I, I, there are a few people that like, I never ever will, will doubt their integrity when it comes to it. When you, when you reach that level as well too, like Diana Schefter Rappaport, there's a couple others that I'll throw in there as well too. But like 
Diana's not going to put something out there that crazy just for clicks. She doesn't need clicks. She's the head writer at The Athletic. They gave her this boatload of cash. She's a star. So I think people maybe wanted to pounce on her because she's not like a Schefter or a Rappaport, but she is like right now she's like a number three in that category. Like the athletic really put a lot behind her. She has well, great sources in Buffalo, Tennessee. Like she is well tapped in. So I don't doubt any of her reporting. I think what happened and the way I explained it to you before this is it, it reminds me of like anybody in their work environment where like, if, if I'm friends with coworkers, I'm going to complain to them about shit. I'm going to complain to them about my boss or these bullshit meetings that I have to go do or this extra work that I have to put in. But if my boss came to me and was like, hey, we need you to stay late on a Friday because we need to get this stuff in, I'm going to say yes to it because I'm having that conversation with my boss. So I think what happened is Zach did have those conversations. Those conversations then did get leaked. But then when the coaching staff came to him and was like, hey, go time. Like, are you ready? If we want to put you back in there as the starter, which they eventually did. And we'll talk about that when previewing the Texans game is he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it because that is what I'm asked to do. Like I am here to do a job, but I'm still going to complain about that job. So I believe that first off the reporting is all accurate. I believe that he did have those conversations. And I do believe when the jets coaching staff came to him and was like, Hey, are you going to be ready to give it a go? He was like, yeah, of course I am. So, you know, I think of it, I don't even look bad on Zach Wilson about it. Like, I don't look at his right, comments was... that he made to a teammate. Like, I get being very upset about it. You know, uh, uh, Connor Hughes put it brilliantly yesterday. It's like, you can't fault him for taking this approach. It's hard to not make him, to, for him to not feel like he was scapegoated. They turned to Boyle and Simeon after benching him. The offense got much, much worse. Guys are running, like you said, through the secondary in that Falcons game, and nobody was getting them the ball. So now from his point of view, you blame me for all of it. Now you're crawling back to me because the alternatives were worse. I'd be pissed too and reluctant to come back. All that, I totally agree. And then when the coaching staff came to him, he was like, this is my job. This is what I'm being paid millions of dollars to do. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, I, I think it's just... I think it's getting so much attention because it's the Jets and it's this disaster of a situation. And everybody's like, well, why would Zach even feel that way? He should be thankful to have another opportunity to go out and prove himself. But like, I almost am, I, I get every side of it and I'm not really too upset with anybody yeah. over it. No. And I like the way that you frame it um, because like, obviously we don't know the exact details, but the idea of like, you know, talking to your friend in school versus when like your coach or your boss or your teacher comes up to 100%. you like that is fair and it's it is kind of like it's like sure like that does probably have to suck right like zach wilson was blamed for so many things and you know jets fans and jets reporters are screaming you know how how can we take this guy robert Sala serious when he's not willing to put a different quarterback in any quarterback will be better than Zach Wilson. That's what so many people were saying, you know, and then it turns out that's not the case. So yeah, I think, I think you nailed it. And I also think that like, when you think about, I guess to me, like if, if there was a real situation where Zach Wilson is, you know, causing like a problem, right? Like in some way, like, People are asking him to perform and he's like, well, I'm not doing that. Fuck you guys. Like, I'm not, you know, like he wouldn't still be on the team, you know, like that's why after Diana, Diana kind of doubled down, uh, you know, last night we're recording this on Tuesday night and kind of just explained like, hey, like I have my sources like this is legit. Like, I don't know what I would do. Like that almost made me feel like 
like, well, hey, like if this idea that he really just said like up yours, like that's not true is and I don't want to play like if that's actually true, I don't expect this guy to be starting this week. Like I expect, you know, them to say, hey, goodbye, because it, it's just not something that you could have and build on the flip side of that is like something clearly did happen. Right. Like there was some dynamic of it. Um, but I do kind of agree with you that it that it gets blown out. Um, I do want to talk about the idea of like, oh, I was scapegoated and now like you're crawling back to me because I feel like we kind of like talked about it throughout all the games with Zach being bad. Was It was like, sure, like the move does seem like it is to bench it. Like I don't at all blame the Jets coaching staff for doing that because no. he was playing bad, really bad. And it's like yeah. the fact that we've been – worse this past two weeks is crazy and is a point to like hey let's play zach but it's not like it was any better you know like it, it was still just horrible so you know does it suck to be in zach's shoes where there's clearly issues past just you know hey the quarterback is bad yes but it's like he was very bad so he would deserve to be benched you know like no one owes zach wilson anything because hey, we shouldn't have benched him because it, that, that's not fair to you. It's like, no, like you should have been benched because you weren't performing. We wanted to see if these other guys would rise to the moment. They clearly didn't, and we'll put you back in because you're our best option. But it's not like, like, I, I hate just like the back and forth of like, Zach should feel pissed that that he got benched when they, because it's like the coaches did want to keep him in, but he just couldn't fucking play ever. Couldn't get anything done. If, so, you know, if it's anything, Jets management, ownership, coaching staff has stood by Zach Wilson probably longer than most organizations. What it's this the point? number one complaint the Jets fans have had exactly. the past few years. It's like, how do we kill? And then it's like the second it's like, oh, wait, let's all ride for Zach. It's let's like, all what defend doing, you know, <laughs> I, I just it, it sucks overall because, I, you know, you're, you're exactly right. Just because you're the best option on the team does not mean that you are a good option. You are a very bad option still. Like like we just were talking about with all the quarterbacks that are leading teams to the playoffs this year and how bad they are. But Desmond Ritter, we just faced another one. They, they are leading the NFC South right now. Desmond Ritter is a bad quarterback. Like there are so many bad quarterbacks that are putting their teams in a position to win. But also at the same time, you could say, well, the offensive scheme isn't great. The offensive line is banged up. You know, I I like the receiving options. There's talented players, but, you know, a lot of that does hinge on the quarterback just not being good. He's the best option, but he's also the best well, option I, because because they've refused to bring in any other fucking options. Yeah, no, fair. That's And that's the story, right? And, and we've said it every single week. Like Everyone wants to try to find blame. It's like the number one thing we can blame is like this team should have done more for the quarterback room because last year when Zach Wilson got benched, Basically, everyone was like, hey, this guy should never touch the field again. And then you bring in Rodgers and you're like, hey, he'll be our backup. Let's hope that he doesn't have to play. You know, and that strategy backfired in your face. Um, so, yeah, I forgot what else I was going to say. Hmm. Do you think but, that do you think that Tim Boyle was the rat? That's the only thing that we didn't cover with this. Story. Oh, yes. OK, yes. So back to Tim Boyle. Yeah. So basically, Aaron Rodgers. I think people were trying to kind of like parse what he said because when he was complaining about the fact there was a rat and a leak and someone talking to reporters, um, he, one of his quotes, you know, and it wasn't very specific or pointed, but he was like, you know, you, you wonder what the motivation is like players or whatever 
trying to leak a story or a narrative that makes them look good. Um, and then Tim Boyle gets cut. So everyone immediately thinks, yes, Tim Boyle was the rat. I don't know, dude. Like, to me, it's possible he was one, like, someone who talked and had that conversation when asked about it. But I also do think, like, the way, like, you know, and I don't want to, like, completely ride for Diana Rossini, like, you know. But in her tweet today, she was very, like, pointed, like, listen. for me to post an article it's not like i'm just like writing a blog that i own like i have people i need sources i need to confirm it i need to get approval like there's all these steps so like the idea that like the third string quarterback just started had a conversation with her and then they ran an article like that doesn't that's you know uh trying the the new york post right like the back page where they're always making fun of the jets and giants yeah that would be that kind of but the athletic you know it, it it, it it's less fun, but I probably don't think Tim Boyle is the rat. I guess, like to yeah. me, the cut of Tim Boyle made perfect sense. It's like, hey, we're gonna sign this other guy. You were really bad. What's the point of keeping you? We don't think like we're playing Trevor Simeon over. So it's like, yeah. what's the point of keeping you? Definitely, you know? I I totally agree with you. I don't think he's the rat. I think Rogers doesn't seem to understand this, but like every organization is going to have at least five to seven members, like. The members of of an organization stretch so many individuals. There's at least a handful in every single city, every single market that are doing favors for these reporters because of the favors they get in return. You know, like the big one that I remember, you know, remember when Adam Schefter really came out and it was like, oh, the the favors he was giving to Daniel Snyder and like the, the, you know, they, they always are scratching each other's backs. That's how you kind of get to your point of being a Diana Rossini or an Ian Rappaport or an Adam Schefter is that you make relationships with right. everybody. Even in two years when I was writing for The Breeze, I made sure that the SID was my best friend in the world. I'd always bring in stuff in the middle of the games. Oh, I'm going to grab a water, bring him back a water because then he'll come to you like, hey, you should write on this story, you know, with this one specific player. Like that is what the the industry is, you know, for these reporters there. If they are not making positive relationships with players in the organizations, they're not going to get sources at all. So it's like, I don't think Rogers understands the fact that there are wherever he goes and plays, there are going to be a handful of people in that organization that before Rogers shows up after he leaves, are going to have these relationships with these beat reporters. And, uh, and he's, he's mad about like the rats and how it's, it's like, that's, that's a part of the game, man. There's too many people. There's too many relationships in, in each market. Like that's that, that happens everywhere. Yeah. And it's almost like, it's almost like, you know, there's clearly deeper problems here. You know what I mean? Like they're they're clearly it's like, oh, we have a rat. And it's like, well, sure, but like that shouldn't be going down. You know, like your your quarterback shouldn't be causing a yes. ruckus or whatever. Also you that know? and so it's like it's like uh well, I was trying to think of an analogy with duct tape in a boat, but I kind of stumbled over my words here. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so I guess the uh you know, this is kind of related. Um, but a quick question and conversation I want to have with you, um, cause this quarterback room, right. Uh, probably, you know, the biggest blemish on the jets, the past two years, the biggest blemish on Joe Douglas's career, um, is just this inability to find a quarterback who's decently good while it seems like other teams are able to, you know, 
trade a seventh for Josh Dobbs or sign Gardner Minshew or get Baker Mayfield. And these guys can play at at least, you know, a below average starter level. Um, and so I guess the conversation I want to have, and I do think, you know, we're, we're about to get into, you know, what we think about the job security of Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. So I guess this can take us right into that. Um, but when we think about the quarterback room, I guess a, a store or like a, a rumor or thought or whatever, I don't know how confirmed or, or how much anyone actually knows but there's this idea that, like, basically, Woody Johnson, the owner, after we signed Aaron Rodgers this year, was like, hey, you know, don't go sign another quarterback because, you know, we already have to pay Zach Wilson $8 million. We already have to pay Aaron Rodgers how much money. Like, we don't want to have to put more assets into this quarterback room. Um, and I guess I just want to know what you think of that because this idea of, like, an overriding owner, you know, kind of potentially hindering you at that point is shitty, you know, and that would definitely suck if true. But I also don't want to completely absolve blame from, you know, the coaching from Joe Douglas in the front office of like, hey, at the end of the day, someone needs to be held accountable. We need to figure this out. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that in general? I I really hope that's not the case because some of these quarterbacks make fucking <laughs> nothing. Like I get the fact Aaron Rodgers is being paid a ton and and Zach Wilson is on that big rookie contract, but Josh Dobbs is making a million, you know, a right. million it's and like thirty-five thousand. It's like some of like you you did sign Tim Boyle. Like what was Tim Boyle making when they signed? Let me let me take a look at that. I wonder what his contract was. It's like you. I really hope that that's not the reason. Yeah, Tim Boyle. Oh, never mind. That's his contract. <laughs> okay, so yeah, he was making one point oh nine million. And uh, Dobbs is making 1.35 million. Yeah. So it's like the. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. So it's like I I I hope that's not the case because that's just really poor ownership. Um, I almost line more into the the thinking that Zach Wilson and the family relationship with Woody Johnson is the reason for not bringing in another one. Because sure, if you do sure. if you do bring in a Josh Dobbs or another one of those guys that we were mentioning that could that was you know available this Gardner Minshew was available this offseason. Like there were a lot of options. If you bring in somebody to then be the backup for Aaron Rodgers, you really are saying like uh Zach Wilson, we we made one of the Real. biggest mistakes in the draft in and a few years tough. now. And it's you know it if they're, I, I think that Woody may have had influence, but I don't, I would almost believe more that it's a relationship based decision more than a financial one. Yeah, no, no, no. And I think that's true for sure. Which um, sucks, dude. I guess my, my big thought about it and, and, you know, I definitely am, you know, like we'll get into it in a sec, but like, it really does feel like because we've been so terrible, right. It's like, it feels like we have to make a change because it, it it's how are we sitting here after the Gase era, after we had just an absolutely terrible offense and we drafted Sam Darnold as quarterback and there was other quarterbacks in that draft that succeeded. Um, and it's just like, how are we, how do we go from that to being even worse, you know, with a seemingly better GM, a seemingly better coach and, and things have just continued to fall and fall and fall. Um, and I think that is just like a really like tough pill to swallow because it's like, how are we even worse? 
Um, but that's where to me part it, it does just like bleed into my mind. Like, do we do we need to make a coaching change? Do we need to make a general manager change? Like, maybe, maybe that's the answer. But for me, it's like we've made plenty of changes in the past, you know, and we've done all these things. We've fired the coach and replaced the coach. We've fired the GM. And absolutely nothing changed. Like we flipped the roster. We've we've done so much to this Jets offense and like absolutely nothing has changed. And, and it's just hard for me to just be on board to like, let's just do it again and, and restart with another new coach. Um, and, and, you know, the one consistent thing as you look across that is ownership. So it, it's hard not to place blame there. Um, but obviously at the end of the day, I don't, I don't really know how, how involved he is with every decision that's made. This is a big hypothetical question, and but it leads me into the coaching side of things. If you gave this entire roster, but quarterback and head coach are Adam Gase and Sam Darnold, where are the Jets? Are they a playoff team? I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, are they? I, I do. I do, in a lot of ways, think that if you had – Sam Darnold as quarterback, even like with Robert Sala, I would like to think that we would have been able to be better, you know, but again, I do still put weight on, you know, the poor play calling, it seems at times and the yeah. poor um, offensive line play. Um, so that's why, that's why it's so tough. Cause like, I don't know if that switch is better or worse, because again, when I watched Adam Gase offenses, I thought it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was incredibly frustrating to watch it every week. But the fact that it's even worse now is just truly absurd. You know, Sala, I Sala is such a a players coach. The players love Robert Sala. He's a he is a standout, stand-up guy. He's yet um, he hasn't lost the lock. No, exactly. But when you I sent you this tweet from uh, New York Jets, Matt, one of the, obviously the goats for oh, Jets boy. Twitter. Uh, Zach, Robert Sala today in his press conference, Zach is at his best when he says F it and let it rip Robert Sala for the last two years. We need Zach to play boring football. To me, I, I still have this like thought in my brain that may, it would have been different with Aaron Rodgers, but is this bizarro world where you talk to, you know, Mike LaFleur down the road, or you talk to Hackett this season in his work with Zach Wilson. And I, I want to know as a defensive minded head coach, is it his style that he wants his defense, his offense to operate in this kind of boring style? That is where I'm like trying to figure out because that's the only other side of things that make me wonder like why this offense is so inept while having talented skill makers or skill skill makers. Skill playmakers. Yeah, skill players, playmakers. I comboed there. A decent offensive line at times, a good run game, and a quarterback that can let it rip when he wants to let it rip. Like to me, I am more and more coming of the side of I I would welcome a coaching change. Um just because I think if you were able to go in a different direction with a more offensive-minded head coach, and I know we said the same exact thing, or you said the same exact thing when they went from Gase and flipped the entire thing to Sal, and now you're flipping all the way back. I think the way that this roster is currently constructed would much, much more benefit from an offensive-minded head coach because the defensive players are there. The core on defense is there. Now you have to hope that your defensive coordinator comes in or, you know, 
God forbid, you know, you keep around a guy like, uh, why is my name, why is his name escaping me? Jeff Albrecht. Help me out. Jeff Albrecht. Maybe you, maybe you convince a guy like that to stick around because he's done such a great job with his defense. Maybe he doesn't get a head coaching gig, but hey, one more great year next season, you know, with a better offense, things look a little bit better on the as a team front. Maybe that gets him the head coaching gig. Maybe you, you've got the defense in place. To me, an average level defensive coordinator is still going to get really good play out of this defense because it is littered with talented players. To me, looking forward to the, the near future, I would rather somebody that is going to come in with a fresh mind on offense because we've had two really lousy outlooks in, in back-to-back seasons and one where it's gotten progressively worse. So I know that I, there's a lot of different things in there, but I'm almost, as we get game after game and we finish through this season, I would welcome flipping to something that is a little bit more modern offensively um, and, and um because look, our frustrations still come down to like pre-snap motion or, you know, you know, mixing up a run, run pass everywhere, like a pass, sure. run, pass, things like that. So um, I don't know where you want to take that, but yeah, yeah. Right I ahead. will comment on the, my general thoughts of Robert Sala and, and whether that's a great way to the job. Second, but my, I, I do want to talk about this first point that you made, right? And the quote today that comes out, where Robert Sala says Zach Wilson is, is um, you know, his best when he just says F it, let it be, right? And I think, understandably, that brought a lot of frustration to uh, Jets fans and people because that has been his messaging up to this point, is we need him to play boring football, we need him to play boring football. I push back on this idea, though, that this is, like, anything con for Robert Sala, and my reasoning for that is, like, Zach Wilson last season did have a couple times where he could throw the ball deep, you know, and make big explosive plays. And he would push the ball downfield and would also turn the ball over a ton. And I think that one of the things with the whole messaging about we need Zach Wilson to be able to play boring football is not only would he be reluctant to throw check downs and take, take the easy stuff, but he also just like couldn't do it. Like would miss very wide Mm -hmm. and so like we did need him to learn the boring stuff and you know you take a look at like the Chiefs and the success they've had and it's kind of been like hmm like they 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 don't really seem to be this explosive team that they've been you know a couple years ago but it I, I you know I forget which announcer but it's I think maybe Romo or someone it's like they kind of bore you to death right like they will dink and dunk they will take what you give them all day and move down the field. I don't think that's incorrect messaging for Robert Sala at all. I And I think when you look at what this season and last season have been, if we had a, a quarterback who was, who had the ability to score 13 points a game, score 17 points a game, you know, score 19, like, like I think last year it was like, if we had just scored 18 points a game, which is, below league average, you know, we would have been whatever, 10 and six or, or whatever the record is. Um, so this idea that like, like, sure, is Robert Sala's mindset potentially, hey, we're able to just lean on our defense, win these low scoring games? Maybe, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Zach Wilson wasn't able to just score a few times, you know? Yeah. And I also mm-hmm. think it, it it's kind of 
the idea that like we refuse to take deep shots, we refuse to be explosive. Like I, I don't really think that's the case. I think it's more so, you know, um, the players on the field not making those plays because you can fault a guy for saying, "Hey, he he doesn't want us to have this big high scoring offense." Like, but it's like, well, sure, but we can't even score seventeen points, you know? Like, so so the idea that that's like bad messaging, I think, is kind of I don't really love that. No, you're you're right. That that's um that's really just taking two very different situations because you're right. We there was a point where the Jets were winning football games with Zach Wilson not being this guy that's just throwing bombs on the field. Even their best stretch this season, it wasn't like he it was a higher completion percentage. It was just moving the ball up and down the field, kicking field goals when we needed, got in the end zone a couple of times, uh, mostly off of you know first turnovers by the defense. But you're right with the way that the team was currently set up. For a while, it was like, okay, yeah, we can kind of win those ugly games, but asking a team to do that for two seasons, the defense can only do so much, especially when you continue to make different changes offensively. You lose guys on the offensive line, then it's like, oh, we can't even get three points out of, you know, or like a lone touchdown over a stretch of games. Like that's where it kind of falls apart at that point. And, and I guess like my gem, like so today, right? Zach Wilson is announced. You got something? No, I, I was just, I was just gonna say that this Jets team right now needs Zach Wilson to take shots. This and that was kind of my point. Team. Yes, but there have been times beforehand and it, where we did want Zach to just keep it simple, stupid. Sure, yeah, and and to me, it's like if Zach Wilson goes out right and has his best game of the season, like that would be awesome. But the odds are. It's going to look bad. Maybe it'll look a little better and we'll accomplish a few more things. But it like the idea that it's like, oh, they finally opened up the offense for Zach Wilson. And that's why it's like, no, dude, like the offense is we throw the ball 50 times a game, you know, and and and, and or 40 times a game. And like, he, he you know, so whatever. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I I. I I still have absolutely no confidence and this idea that Zach Wilson's going to open it up and let it God, rip no. and play pissed off doesn't no. change anything I think about this team. No, you know? not, like, not one bit. Yeah. I expect the Jets to go out there and Zach will have maybe a turnover or two. Adrian Amos will get a pick in his revenge game against the Jets and the Texans will beat <laughs> New York and put them in a six-game losing skid to four and nine and push them closer to like the number three overall pick. Um, the other part that you did, the uh, you know, that was part one, talking about those quotes. But specifically, I, what what are your thoughts on Salah? Because like I like I said, here's here's my thing. If they chose at the end of the season to move off of Robert Salah, I welcome it. I I think there are a few good candidates offensively that would be a good fit, especially for Rodgers and the skill players. Like I said, I think the defense is intact for 2024 at least, and you can look beyond that if you want. But I would welcome it, and I would also welcome the idea that that the Aaron Rodgers injury did buy them another year now does that mean that we'll be sitting here a year from now and everything will be you know bright and sunny and and the Jets are nine and four instead of a potential four and nine after this Sunday no it doesn't mean that but I I would understand the reasoning for giving them a single more season where where do you stand out with Robert yeah. specifically yeah I, I I'm very similar in that regard of like you know, at the end of the day, when you don't have results and, and you've shown over, you know, three years that you haven't been able to turn this offense around, 
if the Jets say, hey, we're going to fire you and find a new coach, like, good on you. You know, I, I do think that at this point, you know, we talked about it in preseason and it really did feel like what in what world are you moving on from these guys after this year? And the one situation, right, was like, yeah, well, sure, if you win a couple games and they just want a huge losing skid and can't do absolutely anything, then maybe you do it. And that's what we're witnessing right now. Um, so the idea to to fire him is fair and like it's there and, and it is what it is. Me personally, like if you're asking me, I still do side on the side of keeping him and maybe it's stupid. Um, but, you know, I do at the end of the day think he is a good leader of men. And I think definitely the fact, you know, that guys like Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall have to kind of just deal with this week after week and answer to the media week after week and have just maintained their confidence. Like you can see he's kind of kept the locker room, you know, to whatever degree you can with a team like this. Um, I also think that when we talk about this defense and how great it is, I think it would be very unfair to not give him a ton of credit there um, because he is the head coach. He's the defensive minded guy. Ulbrich obviously has also done a great job, but I do think he does, does deserve that. Um, and then I guess my last point for Robert Sala. And again, like this is why I'm fine if they did fire him, because at the end of the day, you do need to get results and you need to figure out a way to pull stuff, you know, even, Hey, the giants have Danny DeVito. They still scored five touchdowns in two games, which I know I keep saying, but it's frustrating. So frustrating. (laughs) But, but like with Robert Sala, it's like, we all witnessed what happened last year. And we were all like, hey, we got to get rid of Zach Wilson. And then he's just had to do it again. You know, like he didn't get the opportunity to have a better quarterback. He's only had Zach Wilson for three years. And I know we're doing this whole song and dance of like, is Zach to blame? Is he not blamed? There's obviously deeper things, but I, I, I would love to see the guy get a shot you know, with a different quarterback, whether that's Aaron Rodgers or like signing a backup and that, you know, like I I would like to see that. So I do kind of lean on the side of like, if it was me deciding I'm fine keeping him. Um, But with that said, I'm 100% with you. You need results. And the fact that we haven't um, been able to do anything offensively for two years in a row, once a couple of line injuries happen, once you have ABT go down, you know, and it's like the, the bad offense crumbles even worse and gets worse, you know, like that is damning evidence for why you should be fired. Um, And if you're asking me, you know, would I rather keep Robert Sala or Joe Douglas? I would keep Joe Douglas. I think he's, he's, you know, had a lot of good deals, had a lot of good decisions in the moment. Um, so yeah, it's complicated. I, if it was me, I would keep Robert Sala, but you know, like you, if they move on, I think that's a totally fair decision. That's a, that's a great other point that want to bring up. I am firmly in the stance for a while, for a few weeks, I was like, maybe if you clean house, you just do both and you start anew. I think it's harder to find a, a good GM than a good coach these days. Um, and Joe Douglas is a good general manager. You know, their his specific job is to assemble, you know, I, I you know, he's got a lot of jobs, but his main job is to assemble a roster of talented players that are going to put forward, you know, like good character, high ceilings, low, like high floors, like all that type of stuff. And I can point to 
at least an individual at every position outside of quarterback that he has found that has done a great job. Running back, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, offensive line, AVT, and Becton. Defensive line, you know, you can go through a ton of names in there and a, a bunch of guys that are coming up. Linebacker, you've got Quincy Williams. Cornerback, obviously, Sauce. You know, the, every position, he has done a great job. And then it's it's a mix of high picks. It's a mix of these late-round guys. Now, you can argue you have to coach them up, and maybe coaching does get a lot of uh, respect that I'm not giving them. Um, not to say that I'm not giving them respect, but I'm trying to just more so say, like, Joe Douglas, you have to keep around. You know, uh, and, and I, I always compare them because they're the team that I pay more attention to than anything, but the Indianapolis Colts were in a similar situation. Um, you know, uh, Ballard was brought in while – uh, Chuck Pagano was still the head coach. So it was kind of like Joe Douglas being brought in when Adam Gase was the coach. They get through one season, they move off of it. Then they go and get Frank Reich and he becomes the Robert Sala for that connection. And for five years, you know, quarterback was the same thing that just kept not getting right. It was luck retires. And then you're dealing with all these guys, Brissett, Rivers, Matt Ryan, they fall through. Bridge guy, bridge guy, bridge guy. And so they end up firing Frank Reich. And, and it was a time where you were like, are you going to move on from Chris Ballard? Chris Ballard's job, they were like, he might just get moved on from. But they kept the GM because at the same time that we could complain about the fact that they weren't able to get it done and they were cycling through with quarterbacks, drafted Jonathan Taylor, drafted Quinnen, uh, sorry, Quinnen, Quentin Nelson. You know, Darius Leonard for a few years was great. They trade for DeForest Buckner, give a first-round pick for an all-pro defensive tackle. Like, they continuously found guys outside of the quarterback position and now you find the right head coach, and all of a sudden they're sitting here as the sixth seed one year later from being four and ten. Talking through this, the situations are so eerily similar. The difference being the Colts never had a number two overall pick to draft a quarterback. They actually could have taken Sam Darnold, but traded him to you guys. Uh, thank you for that trade. We got nice. Quentin, Braden, Quentin, uh, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, a bunch of great guys there. The Colts situation is kind of what we're living through right now with, with the New York Jets, where they do have this decision to make. If they choose to move off of Robert Sala, I will get that. I, I will defend Joe Douglas keeping his job for at least another head coach quarterback combo, because when you hit this offseason, there's a chance they're picking as high as three or two. Like they're going to be in this range here where there's another big decision to make. And I'd rather have a guy that I know has continued to do well in these drafts and free agency. Um, he's not batting a hundred percent, but he's done a Definitely damn good not. job. I think when you look at his body of work, right? Like there is just, you know, the Jamal Adams deal, the Sam Darnold deal. He's but, great. He's a very you know, good GM. Um, they're good draft picks. You know, like everyone wants to kind of pick and choose these little things, but overall he has drafted well. Obviously, Zach Wilson is a tough pick to to have as your quarterback pick. Um, but, yeah, I am with you there. And I guess my last kind of like my last case on this would, would really be, you know, I do think it's very important to recognize that, you know, and, and I've been the first person to say, hey, this isn't all Zach Wilson's fault. But it definitely some of is just the idea that we don't have good quarterback play. And. Joe Douglas has provided, you know, pieces and structure and good players around Zach Wilson. You know, it may be not consistent with injuries and the whole line shuffling over the past two years and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, 
He has provided Garrett Wilson, who's a top 10, 20 talent in, in the NFL at receiver. He's provided Brees Hall, who's, who can be a top five running back. He's, you know, signed free agent offensive linemen. He's drafted offensive linemen. And, like, through all of that, even good times, we just haven't been able to, you know, take advantage of any of that, of that and succeed. Um, so that's where it gets hard to not place blame on the quarterback and, you know, on coaching. And um, I guess my last thing would, would, I do think the easy decision to make here, and obviously Aaron Rodgers throws a wrench into this a little, but to me, you know, you talk about the idea of bringing a fresh offensive mind in here. You talk about the idea of, you know, keeping the defense solid, but getting kind of a change up on offense. Like to me, the easier decision to make, keep Robert Sala one more year with Joe Douglas, keep that consistency and replace your offensive coordinator, you know, because the back-to-back jobs of Nate, Nate Hackett going from the Broncos to the Jets offensive coordinator has just been two failures in a row. Um, you know, but again, it, it may very well be deeper than that. We saw Michael Flores struggle last year as well. So, um, yeah, it's fucked. But we're, like, that's we're... where I would say, like, if I was in charge, that would be my first move, if that even happens. Because obviously the Aaron Rodgers stuff, he's his buddy. Yeah. Yeah. The Aaron Rodgers throws the big wrench because there could be that situation where all three are back next year. And it's just because they are tied to Aaron Rodgers and making this thing work directly next year. And that makes a really fun conversation for the draft as well, too. But I think I think we're better suited having that talk next week, especially if we get another loss and we're all of a sudden like, hey, we're picking three. Let's 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 have that quarterback conversation because Which, my by the thoughts way, have changed. I, I've I'm switched all in on on losing for the rest of the season. Me, too. Are you saying yeah. all in on losing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm on the same page. Yeah. Which I never do. Like even last year, I was rooting for like a win or two. And it, and it was a historic moment a few years ago when when the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round while having Aaron Rodgers fresh off an MVP season. Um, but if the Jets are are picking top three, and we can, I want to have a bigger conversation on this next week. They need to take a quarterback at at you know pick yeah. two or three wherever they're at. Like. They need to this it, year. We'll get it, top three versus top five versus top eight. It will all, you know, change everything. But but yes, that will be very fun to uh, to discuss over the next few weeks. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's finish things off here. Let's preview this uh, Texans Jets game. The uh, Jets are five and a half point underdogs at home this Sunday. The total is set at thirty three. Um, Zach Wilson is back. He will be the starting quarterback uh, for the Jets here. We talked a little bit about that as well, too, whether it's good or bad. I don't know, but it's been clear that he's the best quarterback option on this team. Um, Adrian Amos, you know, cut uh, a couple weeks ago was signed and is elevated to the active roster for the Houston Texans. So we'll have a familiar face over that way. Um, Texans are a really fun story this year. You know, a, a number two overall pick, you know, we got the battle of number two overall picks here, Zach Wilson and, uh, and, and, uh, CJ Stroud, you know, it's funny. I, Woody Johnson tweeted out this image and it was like, oh, the number three and four picks going up against each other because of Stingley and Sauce Gardner. And it was like, yeah, you didn't want to put uh, the number two versus number two out there, didn't you? Because <laughs> CJ Stroud right now looks like one of the bright young, you know, future quarterbacks in this league. He's had a great season. Um, they did lose Tank Dell, which was a big part of their offense the last month or so. Very unfortunate injury for him, but they still have good weapons there. Um, you know, Nico Collins, most notably, but, um, you know, also you've got the, the coaching tree as well too, you know, Sala and Danico, um, you know, worked, spent some time together in San Francisco, both took their defensive coordinator positions and turned them into head coaching gigs, um, in both Houston and New York. So, um, 
I, I, I don't think there's a much X's and O's thing to get into here. I think we both probably believe that the Jets don't have much of a chance. But what I want to see is Zach's in there. Can we get the offense that we had two months ago? Because that's even if it was bad, it was better <laughs> than what we've seen the last two months. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, the Texans have really been, uh, like you said, a really fun team to watch. And they've kind of, for me, become like, the team I'm most excited to watch every week. I've just gotten really, you know, into see watching CJ Stroud play and, and I like Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Um, it is infuriating that CJ Stroud is a number two pick. And so is Zach Wilson. And he just, meet, like he's literally having the best working season we've ever seen. Um, it's just frustrating. I don't think the Texans I, – I think they're very good. I still think they, you know, have their kinks. So, I don't think they'll, like, dominate us with, with our defense, obviously. Um, but, yeah, the Jets offense, you know, for anyone who wants to view Zach Wilson coming in as this big beacon of hope for us, you know, just rewind to three, four, five, six weeks ago. Um, and you will see that it hasn't really been all that different than the past two weeks, um, you know. Again, <laughs> just like the Texans having D'Amico Ryans, who was the 49ers defensive coordinator, who gets hired as a head coach and drafts, you know, a quarterback at number two. Like the parallels are we should have been creating. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it was nice to see D'Amico gave a ton of flowers to Robert Sala um in his press conference, basically just saying like he taught him how to coach and and you know one of the reasons he's been able to succeed. So that's nice. I like D'Amico Ryans a lot. Yeah. Um but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, this Jets season has been the same thing every week for a while now. And if they, again, if they want to succeed in this game, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. They're going to have to be able to, you know, get something going uh, in the ground game. And they're going to have to hit a couple balls with Zach Wilson. But we shall see. So that was going to we you mentioned something about this a few minutes ago. So now when you get to Sunday, are if you're full on for the, like the let's get down to like pick, you know, well, three or four, yeah, like I'm when, when Sunday best. rolls around, what's, what's your mindset? Are you still wanting to watch a win there? Or is it like you, you're rooting for the win? It's like a big cat's conversation with his son, where his son is like, did the bears win today? And he goes, exactly. no. And he's like, well, that's still good. Right. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Right. Uh, you, you know, it's hard. And I have the same, like at the end of the day, when it's 12 58, and the Jets are about to play. Like yeah. I always want them to look good, and I and, and especially like like I you know having the number three pick if we lose out and all these other teams win one more game, um, would be really really awesome, obviously. And that, that you know takes like it is important, right? Because when you get into the off season, it's like hey that those that two two picks earlier could be make or break for you could be the reason you get Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. Um, but I do always kind of side with like, it's good for these guys to get a win if that's what they're going to go out there and do, you know? So like, I'm not going to be actively rooting for a loss, but at the end of the day, I am so dejected when I watch these games, like, especially this last week, like you're just not expecting anything and you're not watching anything productive. You're just watching a terrible offense go out and punt. And then you know whatever, so we'll see. But at the end of the day, I, I, I there's no there's nothing good about winning games really. 
I think you're I think where it'll finally snap for you is when we're sitting in week 18 and it's the Patriots and the loser gets the number two pick. I haven't already thought about it. I that just crossed my mind. Well, it didn't cross my mind that they'd be there at that point. But like having this game preview conversation where it's like the difference between potentially giving the Patriots, you know, Drake May or Marvin Harrison Jr. versus uh, maybe we just lose this final one here. And we can get one of those yeah, guys instead. Right. That's going to get Which real frust- interesting. You know, we could be getting ahead of ourselves. But truthfully, uh, like the, well, the the Jets have given me no, absolutely no reason to think they could be any team in the league. So it's like, well, look, we I always Patriots would beat them. I've always joked with you about that, um, about that Rams win years ago that ended up getting you guys Zach Wilson instead of Trevor Lawrence. It's and just it's like if we it's keep just so Wilson, dumb, though, because we also beat the Browns. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens, you know, and and but yes, it is true. And that's exactly my point, right? Is like every team goes through that. And in the moment it's like, well, hey, it was it was good to get one. It was good for the guys, but it is a franchise altering move if you have Trevor Lawrence compared to Zach Wilson. Yep. Yeah. All right, what's the score prediction, Theodore? Let's let's do that and then let's get on out of here. You know, I think the Jets will be able to score one touchdown probably, you know, through a pick six that or a pick that gets tackled on the one or something to that effect. Um, so I'm gonna go with the Jets 13 and the Texans 13 tie. 13, 13 tie. I hate doing picks now because I wanna I wanna keep my streak with the Jets. Realistically, I don't think the Jets will win. I think they'll probably lose this game like 19 to 12. You know, um, but I'm going to go ahead and pick the Jets to win 16 to 12. I'm going to go. This is a, the first Jets game in a while that hits the over. I think there's going to be an over game more specifically because I think I, I, that's the thing is like when you've got two coaches that are basically coaching the same defense and come from the same tree. It's like, yeah, they're not speaking all the way into the the offense's mouth of like how to beat this, but you're going to be able to know kind of the intricacies of your own defense and how sure. to exploit it. So I do think we're going to get a couple of plays there from CJ Stroud that put some points up on the board. I do think the Jets will get a single touchdown. I will give them that as well, too. Um, so I'm going to go a final score. Just hit the o- – oh, wow, maybe I guess I'm rooting – eh, you know what I'll do? 21-13. I was going to go 20-13. That puts you at the 33 over under, but I wanted yeah, over this one. Yeah, I was thinking one. like 24 to 10. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to give a Texans win here. I'm going to give the first over uh that we've had in the Jets game in a while. Hopefully it's got some fun explosives pew pew that you can enjoy, but um yeah, I think the Texans are are firmly, you know, they're they're in a situation now where they're going to be able to take care of these teams and and the Jets defense is great, but I think Great quarterbacks will find a way to make it work, and I think CJ Stroud is a great quarterback. The one last thing I will say here, and and you know, for those who are sticking around, I like to just go based on vibes. Uncle Jay isn't storylines. He's not sticking um, yeah, around. Uncle Jay, Uncle Jay, he dipped off out five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, last week the Texans played the Broncos, and it was one of those situations where you know the Texans have been awesome, and I've been riding the Texans. Part of me was kind of like the Texans do seem kind of due for, you know, sure. a loss, a hiccup. Yeah. And it kind of felt like it made sense. And the one problem with that theory, though, was that the Broncos were also, also on a five game due winning for streak. a loss. So exactly. they were also due for a loss. So I will say here, the one thing that we maybe potentially have going for us is maybe the Texans are just due for that hiccup. 
are due for that loss. Um, and maybe the Jets can come out here. But again, you know, <laughs> this Jets offense has given us not even reason to watch on Sundays. So until they do, I'm going to keep being pessimistic. Um, and that's just how it is. Yeah, I was taking a look at their schedule to see if they had a good look ahead, but they got the Titans. I mean, it's divisional, but I would expect them to feel better about the Titans at this point than they do facing the Jets. So they're they're going to be ready for this one. They really, they don't have that. They've got Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. So not the craziest finish, but definitely some good teams in there. I don't know. I, I still think they get it done, but you're right. They they are one of those teams where you're looking at do, but they did just lose a couple weeks ago to the Jaguars. So they also, it's like, you know. Yeah. What they've won five out of their last six. Yeah. They lost that Panthers loss is still the most confusing thing to happen this season. Um week one. No, it was like uh week five. Oh no, I, I think. think. Yeah. Oh, week I thought the Panthers won no, week, week one. Maybe week I'm... seven. Yeah, okay. Yeah, week All seven. Right, yeah. All right. Well, what'd you what'd you go? What was your score again? Sixteen to twelve. Sixteen to twelve. 16, I got 14. twenty-one. Sixteen fourteen. Twenty-one. Because they're gonna score touchdowns. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we uh hopefully I'm wrong, hopefully you're right. Hopefully they just can pull out and end this skid, but also if they lose it's not the worst thing in the world. We'll we'll uh we'll talk to y'all next week. Make sure to follow us on the socials as well too. NYJ underscore chasing sixty nine, Teddy at Teddy Huncho, I am at Spring Blake. We love you, we appreciate you, and we'll talk to you then. Peace. <laughs>